the uh, during the course of the sitting, uh, I found s seven ticks on me. So if anybody has been in the brush or in the grass, <laughs> they should check themselves carefully. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ticks here. Yeah, in the back. Um, you've been talking about attitude, and I was trying to think of what that might be. And this last stretch, I had a lot of like low-grade headache and discomfort in my seat, and so on. And I was trying to notice whether or not my attitude was aversion. And I'm wondering if that's the kind of attitude, in other words, an attitude towards a sensation. Um, yes, that's that's what I'm talking about. So you know, you're, if you're paying attention to uh, headaches, physical sensations, there's often some way in which you are observing it that has a slight skew to it. Uh, with physical discomfort, it's often aversion. So yes, and then um, the idea is that when you recognize that, that that becomes a part of the field of what you are aware of so that it's not kind of operating in the background, but is at least more got the opportunity for you, for the mindfulness to be aware of that experience, of that aversion. As I recall, it's sort of said that if you stay with the unpleasant feeling that it goes away, but I don't know if that's really the case always. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, Physical sensations in the body are coming and going, um, and so you know if you if you stay with the physical sensation, if you stay with the physical sensation without aversion, you'll start noticing that impermanent quality to the physical sensation, and it can get to a state where the the physical sensation disappears. But um, you know if you've got a uh, the physical sensation and an aversion to it, it's very unlikely that trying to hold yourself on that physical sensation is going to make that physical sensation disappear because there's kind of an agenda there. But that's another way to look at the, the term of, uh, of attitude. Is there an agenda? Does your mind have an agenda? Um, is there something that you're trying to do or change or fix or control? Uh, are you paying attention to that unpleasant sensation because you've heard that if you pay attention to it really carefully, it will go away? <laughs> that's, that's being an agenda. Yeah. And then um, over here. Did you pass the mic? Yeah. I, was, I was just stretching. Oh, you were just stretching. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, can you say something about... Um, sort of moving around versus staying in one place. And in particular... With the awareness? You with mean? the awareness, yeah. Um, in particular, with respect to um, physical tension and relaxation, uh, which is something I have a huge... I get tense and then I don't want to be part of it. And so I'm really encouraged by your teaching about like the importance of that. And if you see tension, just you know, see it and, and try to relax. For me, my jaw, my neck, parts of my back, my abdomen, relaxing them is a big project. Uh -huh. And so just look and relax it doesn't actually, like I could hang there and it holds my attention fairly well to actually sit there and really work gently with relaxing 
over time. And I'm wondering whether that's skillful within this set of instructions or not. It is initially. Um, you know, the um, I spent a lot of time working with relaxation initially and just recognizing, wow, there's all this tension. So relax, relax, relax. I remember whole sittings where that's all that I did was just notice the tension and relax and notice and relax and notice and relax and notice and relax. And, and I remember after one particular um, sitting like that, it's like, oh, you know, thank goodness I th that, I can, that I can do this in my meditation because my mind had gotten so tense around meditating that uh, it really needed this kind of dedicated movement towards relaxation. Over time, um, what I've discovered more recently is that, um, you know, I, I was kind of now in this habit of, okay, I start my meditations, I start everything by relaxing. And then I discovered I started falling asleep. And, um, you know, I talked to Sayadaw Tejani about that. And I said, I'm really sleepy in a lot of sittings. And he said, well, are you still trying to relax? I said, yeah. He said, well, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, over time, um, you know, the mind, the, over time what begins to happen is instead of needing to consciously relax, what, what you just need to do is to turn to become aware of the tension and just notice the tension. And that noticing itself will allow it to relax. But if a tense mind is trying to look at tension, it's probably just going to get balled up. So I would s encourage you to work with that relaxation for a while. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, for a whole sitting and then try the next sitting where you do a little bit more of the exploration of just being with what's coming up. But it's, it's very helpful to get the mind to a place where it has that relaxed quality so that it can start to just um, notice what's happening, just very naturally notice what's happening. Thank you. What happened with the walking? We haven't talked about the walking. Anybody want to share anything about the walking? If there's nobody else. Um, the thing I notice is just having sort of no instruction and not doing a slow conscious walk or breathing or anything. It was... I didn't quite know what to do except enjoy everything. Um, but it was kind Were of... Were you aware of what was happening? Um, some of the time, I would say. Um, I mean, the, the not knowing what to do, I mean, it, it is a little confusing at first. Um, one of the things that... I really, I, I pointed to it in one of the guided meditations. I think it was the one right after lunch. The beginning to recognize what it feels like to be aware. Um, you know, the, the recognition of mindfulness itself so that you know what it, what it feels like to be mindful. That, that begins to really serve you in this practice. And it serves you in your walking and it serves you in your daily life because you get a sense of what it means to be present, of what it feels like to be present, and that um, itself begins to wake you up in a way, because this, uh, this quality of becoming aware of what's happening while it's happening 
actually happens to us a lot through our day. It's, um, it happens for a split second. You know, for a split second, we know what's happening while it's happening, and then immediately what happens, what our habitual tendency is, is to leap on that thing and then start thinking about it, start doing something with it with our minds. So we, we aren't trained, or our minds are not trained to notice this recognition of noticing mindfulness. We're trained, our, our mind is trained to do something with what we notice. And so we completely miss that mindfulness itself. And so as we start to get familiar with the feeling of mindfulness, and that's kind of what the direction is, particularly in the walking. Well, it is, it's, it's in everything, but um, you know, in the walking, um, just getting familiar with what it feels like to not be trying to do a meditation and that's where it feels a little bit awkward. You know, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I, I remember when I first started uh, meditating early in my meditation practice, teachers would say, well, connect with a sense of presence. And I had no idea what they were talking about. You know, I didn't know what it meant to be present. I didn't really know what it meant to be aware of awareness. And um, that exploration has been very interesting for me as I've explored what does it actually mean to be aware? What does it feel like? At this point, it's got a very tangible feeling for me. I know what it feels like to be aware. It's a very clear sense of what um, mindfulness is. And because of that, then as I'm going through my day, those moments, those split seconds when mindfulness just kind of naturally comes in, our mind is kind of doing lots of things and it occasionally touches in and knows what, what's happening in, it, in itself while it's happening. And when you recognize that quality of mindfulness, those split seconds, they like wake you up. Instead of just automatically jumping on them and doing something with them, you're, oh, here I am, cutting an apple. Oh, here I am, walking across the street. So that... Um, Learning or becoming familiar with that, and that's something you can work with in the walking, is what, is it, what does it feel like to just be aware? And in the guided meditation also I pointed to a place in particular where this, you can explore this, and that's the moment where you recognize that you have remembered about mindfulness. The moment that you have woken up into uh, something or other, um, Normally in our sitting practice, we uh, have, have something to anchor ourselves on, like the breath or something. And we kind of recognize that we're not paying attention because we're not paying attention to something in particular. And in this practice, we're not really anchoring on anything. So the, the movement is to just learn to recognize those moments when we spontaneously come back into awareness. And those are moments, they're beautiful moments, actually. They are... I've learned to, to think of those as almost the, the, that's, it's, the it's like the linchpin or the, the key almost to waking up, those moments of spontaneous coming back into awareness, because it's completely effortless. It's awareness that has uh, not, it's nothing that you have done. It's simply uh, causes and conditions have come together to, to make that awareness reappear in that moment. And if you can be there for that moment, if you can recognize it, um, you'll get a sense of what it means to be effortlessly mindful. 
because that moment of spontaneously waking up into mindfulness is an effortless mindfulness. So getting familiar with that feeling begins to point, kind of point itself out when we are familiar with it, it points itself out to us. And, and um, then we can learn to kind of ride the wave of that effortless mindfulness. The moment when, when mindfulness reappears, just, just you know, seeing how long does that last. And getting familiar with that, that wave of the momentum of mindfulness, then we learn how to skillfully then prompt mindfulness. So I'd call that, uh, that kind of spontaneous re-arising of mindfulness unprompted mindfulness. And that's how it all begins in the first place, is that there are these moments of unprompted mindfulness, of spontaneous re-arising of mindfulness. And when we have that spontaneous re-arising of mindfulness, we have the opportunity to then remind ourselves to be mindful, to, to keep being mindful. And that I would call prompted mindfulness. And so, um, you know, this is kind of a long-winded riff on your question, <laughs> but um, there is a sense at times, especially in walking, of, of, well, what do I do? I mean, in sitting, we can fall back on our habits. In the walking, you know, it's like, well, okay, just kind of wander around and look at things, but, but what does it mean to be mindful? So that could kind of be your koan. You know, you could just keep bringing that. What is it? What is, what is awareness? How, am I, how do I know I'm aware? But again, not trying to answer the question, but just can I recognize this state? What is this state of, of being aware? Right now, in this moment, do you know that you are aware? You might, my calling it out, you, you are all, I assume, unless some of you are kind of spacing out thinking about something, you know, here and knowing that you are aware in this moment. And what does that feel like? I mean, initially, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's actually kind of a very common feeling. It's one that we're so familiar with, it actually kind of, it's like the air we breathe. We don't really notice it as being something to pay attention to, this feeling of being aware. And then when it starts to, um, to begin to be more, more continuous, it, get, it gets a real kind of quality to the feeling of the mind that is aware. And just that quality can, it, it, it begins to have its own momentum in a way to explore that. So that's where I'd encourage you to, to, to go with the walking, seeing, you know, can you just begin to recognize the quality of awareness itself and get familiar with that? Does awareness include such things as I'm grasping now or I'm this, or is it more of those times where we're doing none of those things and we're just pure attention? Well, um, awareness can be aware of anything, including grasping. Um, so, you know, it's the, the kind of the purity of awareness is there isn't that grasping in there, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's, it's a long process of getting, of getting there. So, mm -hmm. um, and as I've said, you know, when you become aware of grasping, there can be a kind of just like, oh, there's grasping happening. It's kind of like, you know, watching this, you know, a weird creature, you know, be formed in front of your eyes. Oh, there's grasping. You know, it's like, what's the big deal? It's just grasping. 
it's not a problem. Um, so the, 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 the awareness can be aware of anything. Yeah, over here. Um, talking about the uh, tension and relaxation, specifically physical tension, um, I've de developed a, the uh, practice as part of my meditation practice for a while to start with that um, relaxation and when I when my mind wanders, that, you know, when I come back, when I'm First thing I always do is is open and just uh, let something relax, whatever it needs mm -hmm. to. But my question has to do with there seems to be more than one level of that tension. There's there's the tension that that comes and goes. Maybe my jaw, you know, it's, that the tension that is when I simply become aware of it in that particular way, it it tends to just find release. Um, then there's tension that's like currently tension in shoulders that has been there for more than a week and you know it doesn't just release and then you know I'm aware of tension that you know parts of my body that constricted years ago and stay constricted and it seems that especially that latter group are as far as I can tell unaffected by that simple attention um, there may be some, you know, very, very, very subtle amount of effect and change by, by attention, but it seems to be on a quite a different level. I think you're right. Um, you know, the particularly the ones that have been patterns of the body for years and years. It's almost like there's a, you know, there's a formation in the body around that. It's like a musculature that's that's you know formed in that pattern. So it's a completely different level than like clenching your jaw. Mm -hmm. It's um, over time I think there there can be a releasing of the tension around around that, but it's it's a very it's a very slow kind of process. Um, and it may, you know, there may be ways that you hold your body that kind of keep it locked in place, you know, so um, it's it's probably a combination of both body and mind that would possibly help to release that kind of tension. Um, but mostly what we're working in with here, I mean, there is the physical tension. There's the, you know, the relaxing the physical body as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the main work with the meditation is to make sure the mind is relaxed as possible. Um, and that's, that's really where the benefit comes in. Um, you know, that you can be relaxed in your mind around physical pain in your body. That it's not necessary, in fact, for the physical pain to go away, for the mind to be completely at ease. Um, there's one definition. I was just doing a class and uh, read a, uh, a description of what the Buddha said this quality of liberation or enlightenment or nibbana is, and he says, one description is, you know, the absence of greed, the absence of aversion, the absence of delusion. And that sounds, you know, that sounds, yeah, that sounds nice. But then it, it went on and it said, and this person experiences no mental pain or grief. That sounds pretty good. 
You know, that, that no matter what's going on, no mental pain or grief is essentially a definition of uh, what he says, nibbana, immediate, invisible in this life. No mental pain and grief. Now, it doesn't mean that there won't be physical pain. The physical aspect, the physical body will experience pain. It, there will be both pain and pleasure in the physical body. But with the, the work in the meditation, we learn to, to let go of that reactivity, the mental reactivity to that pain. And that's where the, the release comes from. So I think there can be a releasing on the physical level of some of that, but most of the work is mental. Um, to, uh, to not be reactive to those states. And, you know, there's something else that I've noticed around physical pain um, for myself that I find very interesting. Um, this has been in the last year or so that I've really come to see this. That um, there are times when there's some kind of injury to the system or perhaps a very... Um, an, an area in the body that's particularly painful. Like for me, it was a frozen shoulder. I had a frozen shoulder. Uh, and it was quite painful. And I found that um, it seemed initially as I was paying attention to the pain in the body that there was the pain in the shoulder, especially if I tried to move it in particular ways. But there also seemed to be this kind of, it's almost like the entire system was inflamed. It felt like the whole body was inflamed in a way. And it felt like physical. It felt like physically the whole body was, was in a kind of a, an uncomfortable, um, painful situation. It felt physical to me. And as I explored the, um, the experience and just was noticing what was going on around it, at some point I noticed a release in the mind around some kind of holding around this pain. And that whole whole body kind of inflammation or irritation vanished like that. So it was a shock to me to see that that actually was mental. I mean, it, it manifested physically, but its cause was mental, that kind of whole body agitation. And, and anyone who has a kind of a chronic pain may be experiencing some of that mental tension which kind of makes the whole pain reverberate through a larger part of the system. So I was kind of surprised when I saw that. It was, uh, it was quite a lesson to me to see just how uh, the mind's tension could produce what seemed to be physical pain. So there are just some thoughts on that. Over here. This will be the last, the last question. Um, so, um, so I'm sitting quiet, and uh, <clears throat> I notice a sound. I'm aware of a sound, and then I'm aware of, <coughs> excuse me, a tension in my butt, and then I'm. So do you just keep going on like that for 40 minutes, you know? Um, yes. <laughs> um, you know, um, I'm aware of a smell. I'm aware of someone squeaking their chair in the back. I'm aware, you know, what, where does that go for 40 minutes? <laughs> so so the, um, 
you know, there's the, the, the continuity is what we're going for. And yes, that is what we're doing. But, but what happens, I mean, it, it sounds like it kind of stayed at the mundane level in a way. It stayed at kind of the, the level of, uh, um, what would I say, kind of ordinary experience in a way. And um, that, that sounds like there may have been a, um, you know, that the, the kind of the mind was at a certain level recognizing and identifying things. And that's fine. I mean, you can, you can go for 45 minutes like that. At some point, um, you know, checking in, there also could have been some kind of attitude about a particular way the meditation was supposed to go. I don't know what maybe was going on, but um, some kind of an agenda or a belief around how paying attention was supposed to happen. And unnoticed, that might keep the meditation at a particular level. Um, you know, it's hard to say what I noticed. I don't know if I got sleepy or, but it, I would be at that le the ordinary level, and then there would be these periods of uh, I guess going really in and getting very quiet uh -huh. and still. And again, I don't know if I fell asleep or it was really, you know, it didn't feel like I was sleeping, but who knows. And then I would come back to external uh -huh. stimulus. Uh -huh. So it sounds like, I mean, that's kind of the description I was, uh, or related to, it sounds like the description I was talking about, the mind getting kind of more malleable and fluid. That what I found with this particular practice is that it, the mind can go between that really ordinary level of recognizing experience and then suddenly just go, whew, and drop into a very quiet space. And what it takes is the ability to recognize quietness, you know, to, to really stay with the mind as it moves into a deeper space. It's, it's, it's quite possible that as you move into that space, if you don't notice that you've really suddenly become quiet, that you could start drifting and become um, kind of sleepy or dull. Or if you can just notice, oh, the mind has shifted to a different level. It's paying attention internally. Mm -hmm. you know, not to make a lot of words out of it, but just to stay with the experience. Mm -hmm. um, that is where the, mi the mindfulness can go into a deeper level. It's not that you're trying to make it happen. It just happens. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that learning to stay with it. As the, learning, the, the, the mindfulness gets more familiar with staying with these changing states of consciousness, essentially. You know, it goes from the ordinary level down to a kind of a very quiet level, down to a very subtle bodily level, mm -hmm. uh, to a very open, broad awareness where you're just taking in everything in a flow back to ordinary. Oh, there's a person talking, there's a chair squeaking. And it just goes, you know, to all these different levels. So that, you know, it's not... It's not um, that we're trying to find any particular level in which to meditate. We are just trying to be present for how the mind is working and what happens as we begin to make that mindfulness more continuous is that we do start to see sort of more of this kind of moving between different levels of awareness. Can I make one more comment? Sure. When you said about... Uh, the tension in the mind, that there's a release in the mind. You know, my understanding is that there is no separation, that, that there, the mind, the body are integrated, so to speak. 
They're very intimately connected. Mm -hmm. There is a difference um, between mind and body. Um, but so you can see, you know, for instance, um, I didn't go into this aspect of the practice today. I didn't have enough time. But, but for instance, in the um, experience of something like hearing, you know, there's the kind of the bare, there's the physicality of the, the sound wave hitting the eardrum. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a physical thing, just this vibratory energy. And, and we can experience that uh, turning into sound, pitch and tone, just pitch and tone, simply pitch and tone. And then there's the process in the mind by which it turns it into or recognizes chair squeaking. Mm -hmm. And that's mental. Mm -hmm. There is a physical part of the experience where that, there's that contact. Um, but it's very, it's very um, interconnected. You know, it, is com it is completely interconnected. But there is a distinction. And it's actually helpful to begin to, um, to explore what is body. And what is mind? Just begin to recognize the distinction. And when I teach longer versions of these, I do get into that exploration uh, a little bit. So um, we need to stop. It's, it's 5 o'clock. So thank you all for coming. It's been lovely to spend this day with you. And um, I, I asked Sarah to make up these sheets. There's this sheet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.